Retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way. There's got to be a better way. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA and founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent firm that offers securities through Raymond James Financial Services and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work, and you can hear us every Sunday on News Radio 1510 WLAC. You can also go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. We'd love to answer it on the show or always give us a call anytime at 615-435-3644. All right. Well, today in studio, we have Siobhan Farler, who is a wealth advisor on my team, and she's going to be reading your questions this week in our next segment. Hello, Siobhan. Thank you for having me back. Glad you were here. Hope we got some great questions today. I'm really excited to see what type of questions we've gotten and what type of advice we can help. Are you going to stump me? Am I stump the chump today? Ooh, maybe that should be a topic (laughs) for another day. You didn't. You didn't give me the questions. (laughs) All right, and we have also we have a special guest today, Britton Geesey, who is an amazing photographer here in Nashville. And in our last segment, he's going to discuss what it's like to be an entrepreneur in this booming town. So, hello, Britton. How's it going, David? Glad you were here. I am super pumped to be here. I know you are. Are you just saying that to be nice? No, I'm, I'm not. This is, this is great. I like to talk. <laughs> oh, good. This is the right place. All right. Well, great. We look forward to that. Well, now this show for me represents a way to broadcast a message that is very near and dear to my heart. And what I mean by that is I truly think after years of doing this that retirement is broken, or at least the concept of retirement. And last week I talked about my dad's story and why it pulled on so many heartstrings uh, for years for me to do this. And I want to help every client, every listener, heck, and myself, to be able to feel like that they're retiring while they work. It's really a mindset. It's a set of habits. And it's just a new way of thinking about your money. So every week, my goal is to bring a fresh topic that is hopefully holistic in nature and not some boring financial textbook topic. I do enough of that behind the scenes managing money already, right, Siobhan? Absolutely. And textbooks, uh, financial planning can be kind of boring oh, sometimes. come on. It's not boring. Never. That was a setup. Never. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Well, this is, so this is a passion project. It's not, it's not a money-driven uh, project by any means. And that being said, today I would love to talk about spending money on experiences versus material things and really the resulting impact of these decisions. Well, this sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Glad you're excited. I'm excited too. So I read this article in Money Magazine and it really hit me just the other week as this is something I've really been digging deep over um, while I think about, as they call it, what, the next chapter of my own life, the second half, if you will. Now I'm only, I guess, 38, so hopefully I'm less than halfway, right? Yeah, that's a little young for a second half. You you know what I mean, but still, it's a mindset going into that next chapter, wherever you are in life. And so this article talks about how many of us have heard about the health benefits of practicing gratitude and how it can actually boost your mood and allow you to treat others better and actually improve your physical health, physical health, sorry, and lower your stress. And I truly believe this. I've even started journaling in my own quiet time and actively writing things that I'm grateful for. And it seems very forced and awkward at first, but it becomes really satisfying. And it's really opened up a a lot for me um, internally over the last couple of months. So in regards to retire while you work, I think this is a great thing that we all can do. It doesn't cost any money. 
It just takes practice and an open mind and heart. Now, the biggest action you could take would be to focus and spend more time or money on experiences and less on material objects. And what I mean is, let's say you go and buy that new couch or desk. You may think, hey, this is really cool. I love this desk. But you're probably not going to think about it over and over and how grateful you are for it, at least for months and months, right? But now let's say you come back from a vacation with the kids and the parents from Disney World. Well, maybe that's a bad example. That's probably <laughs> pretty st- stressful trip. I saw Siobhan look at that. But you know what I mean. Maybe it's a trip to the beach with the family or to the Caribbean with your spouse. Now, doesn't that dialogue change internally? I'm so grateful for this experience and very blessed, right? And very few times have I ever heard or felt myself experience any regret. And I mean financial regret as well as um, other regret once a vacation is done and paid for. You never forget that time and experience with loved ones but it's not easy to focus or continue to, to experience joy or active gratefulness on something like new furniture or new car or anything else material. Something to think about. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And we are talking about being grateful and enjoying experiences versus material things. So along this topic, I believe it was a Cornell professor that did a study and it showed that people not only express, express more gratitude over events and actual experiences than they do material positions, but they found out that this gratitude practice results in more generous behavior to others, right? So think about that. Imagine paying it forward if everyone did that. Imagine if we all make an effort, an intentional effort, to create experiences with those that we love. And then they journal how grateful they are, and then it continues to spread. You see where I'm going here? So all of a sudden, how much is in your 401k isn't bringing you down as much or making you feel like a failure for not keeping up with the Joneses or the Kardashians or whoever. Whoever it may <laughs> Sorry, be, I had yes. To go there. <laughs> or letting down your financial advisor who unfortunately, and it's no secret that we are trained as financial advisors to preach to our clients to save, save, save every dollar, but a good financial advisor is preaching to you hopefully about balance and experiences and how time is our most precious commodity. And I talked last week about how my father taught me this And it speaks to me like that little birdie on my shoulder each and every day. Time is limited. Time is our most precious commodity, not money and not things, certainly. And I catch myself often, you know, going there where I'm focusing on businesses or focusing on our business and the markets and the stock market and shallow things like image and what do others others think about me and our business and their accounts. And really the process of journaling is something that Um, And and focusing on gratitude really centers me, and it's been very cleansing for the soul. So taking that time to create those unique experiences hopefully is something that can ignite your soul. Now, this doesn't have to be some elaborate plan or huge gesture. Heck, call your parents and ask them to dinner or cook for them. We talk about that a lot. We do. Call your parents. They want to hear from you. Something I've had to work on. One of my uh, resolutions this year was to really make an active um, effort to call my parents every few days or every week. And and if you do something like that already, think outside of the box. You know, my dad hasn't played drums really in 30 years since his band days. And so I went and got a used drum set and surprised him. And he drove to Nashville and we got to bond, have some great experiences together. We'll talk more about this topic after the break. You're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about gratitude, spending your money on experiences versus material things and take some of your questions on our next segment. Back in a few minutes.
Hello, and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is News Radio 1510 WLAC. And before the break, we were talking about focusing your time and money on experiences and not just material things, which is so easy to do in today's society, and how it propels you into living a more fulfilling life with a retire while you work mindset. So right before the break, we were talking about, or I was talking about how, you know, you don't have to uh, plan out some elaborate gesture to necessarily do this. Experiences can be something like calling or cooking for your parents, or I'd mentioned you know, my dad hadn't played the drum drums in about 30 years since his band days. Um, and so I got him a used drum set, surprised him when he drove to Nashville, and we bonded. And I even took some drum lessons. Now, I'm horrible, and I'm going to stick with numbers. But we still, it was something we got to connect through. And it was very special. And it was such a cool and special bonding experience that I followed it up by getting a used piano so that my mother could be in the mix. She used to play piano growing up. And their condo right now, they don't have a, a place for a drum set and a piano. So, you know, now when they come to town, they immediately, like little kids, go to their instrument in the corner. They smile and they laugh and they send me videos when I'm at work and uh, send me videos on the phone to show off. And they have a drum off or a, it's 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 great. And That's it's really hilarious. special. And it's an experience, you know, when they're no longer with us, I'll remember that way more than a car that I bought or some TV um, in the house. Absolutely. So very important. And back to that uh, money article I was referencing before the break, experience-based purchases elicit more gratitude because they don't trigger as many social comparisons like possessions do. Think about it. You got a new car, but then someone else got a luxury car and it kills your excitement or your mojo. And experiences foster an appreciation of your own circumstances rather than feelings of falling short or trying to measure up to others, like comparing your house or something else on social media or to your neighbor. Um, you know, this, and this gets me really, really excited. That's very powerful. I never thought about it like that before. It's just a different way of thinking about it. You know, it's true. I mean, when you have a great trip or a great experience, it's harder to, for someone else to steal your thunder, or your joy from that, because you were actually there and you got to experience it with the person or the people that you love. Right. So there was actually one study where researchers performed two exercises to determine how purchase-related gratitude might affect how people behave towards others. So in both studies, participants were actually asked to think about for a few minutes um, a meaningful purchase, whether it's experiential or material. And a few minutes later, they were giving a seemingly unrelated task of dividing $10 between themselves and an anonymous recipient. So bear with me here. So which group was more charitable? Those who had been tasked with remembering an experience or an event actually gave away $1 to $2 more of those $10 on average than the material group. Wow, that's shocking. So they had that mindset of they just they felt better. They felt more. Uh, they felt, they like felt they more didn't gratitude, need it. and they wanted to pass it off. They wanted to pay it forward. I love this topic. As a financial advisor, I want to help liberate my clients so they can give themselves permission to spend money on experiences. Like we talked about last week with the lady who wanted to go to Disney World. Absolutely, that's a perfect example. I mean, she was so excited. She left. You know, she came in crying and left with hugs. I mean, that's yes. what it's about. And spending, telling our clients they can spend money on experiences, not just houses and cars or investments, which, yes, is how we get paid. But if anyone wants to truly retire while they work, they can't wait until some arbitrary retirement day to start living. That is not living. That is depressing. And we're not guaranteed to live to some certain day in the future. Now, no, I'm not saying go crazy and ignore saving and blow it all on travel. You know, but most people listening to the show or coming to our office, they get that. But we all want to live better and more fulfilled, and this is just a way to help do that. So the takeaway from yours truly would be 
journal, write down the things that you're truly grateful, grateful for every day or every few days and pay it forward and think of ways you can create unique experiences with friends and family and encourage others to do the same. After all, this is what life is all about, relationships and connection, not money. I know this is a financial money show. It's hard to think that we would be saying that. (laughs) Your job is not important. (laughs) But money is important to having confidence and a sense of security, absolutely. But it can't bring happiness the way that experiences can. Money can't buy happiness. It cannot. And you hear that growing up and you get to a point in life and you realize it. And after us meeting with thousands of people, we've Mm -hmm. seen that. We've seen some of the happiest people with far less than those that are unhappy. Correct. All right. That's coming from your financial advisors. You heard it here on Retire While You Work. And now, each week, we like to take some of our questions from our listeners. So thank you for sending those. You can go to retirewhileyouwork.com, click Contact Us, and send us your question. We'll do our best to answer it in our next show next week. Or give us a call at 615-435-3644. So, Siobhan, do we have any questions today from our listeners? We do. And this question is actually a really good one in regards to cash and investments in retirement. So this question came from a from a call-in where they asked, how much cash do we need to have now versus when we retire? And what's the type of ratio you should suggest? Particularly, they have been told from other advisors, not from our office, but from other advisors, that with cash making nothing, it's stupid to have cash at all other than just to pay for their monthly bills. That's a strong word. I know. I was shocked that someone would have the audacity to call someone that. So, yes. So, but they're asking our advice on what would we advise for cash now, cash in retirement, and should they have anything more than just monthly bills? Well, good question. We get the, the question about cash all the time. And as always, when I answer these questions, I'll say it depends on, of course, everyone's unique situation. Now, any advisor that says it's stupid to hold cash because it's paying nothing really isn't doing a good job of holistic planning, in my opinion, but I'll digress. You know, but but a good job of making sure that they get their percentage fee. It's no secret as advisors, we, we don't typically get paid on cash or we shouldn't. So there is an inherent conflict of interest. So be careful. Find someone that is looking out for your planning and not just your portfolio. But as far as the question, let me answer it this way. Uh, rule of thumb would be everyone needs about three to six months of cash um, in a savings account as your emergency fund if you're working. So if you still have income, I think three to six months expenses is a great nest egg. This money doesn't need to be um, in your portfolio and investments in the stock market. It should just be sitting at the bank because you may need it tomorrow. And you don't your want security it. blanket in case something happens. Right. So if, you, if this is, car breaks down, you don't want to have your money in a particular investment that loses money like it did in 2008, right when you know everything hits at once and you're, you need right. a new motor in your car. So this okay. should just be off the table, cash sitting in the bank. Now, part of that question was, what if you are retired? Now, retirement, and again, it depends, but I'd say I like usually a year's worth of cash. We usually tell clients, rule of thumb is have about a year's worth of your living expenses. Especially that first year, that transition into retirement. Right, where you're figuring out your budget and what what retirement's going to look like. And ideally, maybe two years of supplemental cash for income gaps. And here's what I mean by that. So let's say as an example, I don't know, you need $100,000 to live on and travel, okay? And you have $50,000 from Social Security for you and your spouse and maybe 10000 from a pension, one of those dinosaurs known as a pension. Yes. So you have 60000 coming in So and you want 100000 So you should have $40,000 
and ideally maybe $80,000 to represent that kind of gap between your income coming in from Social Security and pension and what you want to live and travel on, which is $40,000 a year. Maybe you have two years worth of that. So in that example, I'd say have $80,000 outside of your portfolio sitting in cash and don't worry about that the fact that it's making point nothing at the bank. It's okay. Its point isn't for it to be doing interest. It's to take care of you in, right. in case something happens. Absolutely. It's just there as a um, just there in case. And so in my opinion, cash is always king. Think about bad years like two thousand and eight when, you know, the market was falling, people were losing their job and it seemed like everything was imploding at once. Having cash in a time like that not only is very important, it's it's what makes or breaks a financial plan. Also, things like health issues. I mean, you never know. I mean, if some whether it's yourself and you have to max out that uh, health insurance plan and the out of out of pocket max, or you have a family member that um, needs help with a health issue, um, or you're taking care of a parent. I mean, they call us. What do they call us? The sandwich generation. We're yes. oftentimes we're taking care of kids and our parents. So yes, that's um, very important. Or having cash for that opportunity to maybe buy your dream house or a lake house. Um, in a bad market when the market's down. So having cash, don't let somebody tell you it's a bad thing to have cash. But I will say this, having cash out of fear is not good. You don't want to, you need at least enough invested to keep up with your spending needs and inflation. It's never healthy to live out of fear. So the balance between having the right amount of cash and the right amount in your portfolio with planning around it is very important. Now, great question. And if you're just tuning in, you've been listening to Retire While You Work. And we're answering your questions, so please submit yours by going to retirewhileyouwork.com or call us at 615-435-3644. Tell us what's on your mind. We're going to go to another break. And when we come back, we're going to answer more of your questions from the week. Thank you so much for listening. Back in a couple minutes. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were answering your questions. Uh, we actually were answering a question about how much cash you should have in the bank. And Siobhan, I believe we have some other questions from some actual client meetings and from some of our listeners who called in or emailed us. Yes, so. this one's actually from a client meeting this past week okay. of a retired couple. They're young. They're in their early 60s. And they're thinking about whether or not they should downsize their house when it makes sense. When do we normally suggest to our clients as far as to downsize? When should someone consider it? And how does it kind of work? Okay, good question. So, Downsizing. This is always a personal decision. And, you know, obviously where you live is very personal. And as we always say on the show, personal finance is about 80% personal and only 20% finance. Yes. Don't forget that. So the psychology and the emotions behind money come into play all the time, and especially when it comes to where you live. Um, it's kind of like when people ask about taxes, and I say, don't let the tax tail wag the investment dog. Ooh, and we're getting close to tax season, too. I think that. Oh, I think, think that's funny. It's kind of cheesy. I'm getting that. Uh, Brenton's over there nodding his head. That, that is not funny. I like it. <laughs> I was shaking my head. <laughs> uh, nobody likes taxes. That's true. Now, okay, so I'd say start by identifying your number that you need in retirement to cover your living expenses. So, you know, if you're short on the amount in retirement, one way is to sell the house 
and possibly free up a lump sum to help supplement. That's a lot of times what people are thinking is, hey, I don't have enough in my retirement accounts. I'll sell the house, take the equity out, buy something cheaper. And they no longer have kids in the house. Right. So and we can live on less right. and now we're good to go. But also keep in mind, your expenses may go down when you, if you sell a larger house and go to a smaller house. But nowadays, and this is very important, especially here in Nashville, in a booming market like Nashville, downsizing doesn't always mean cheaper. So look, think about Nashville where condos are setting records. A downtown view loft with 2,000 square feet may cost you a million and a half bucks and your 5,000 square foot home may only um, cost you or only allow you to sell it for $1 million. Wow. Who, who would have ever thought I'd be saying only $1 million? I remember back in the day, remember that show Dallas? Yes. Where the, um, a million dollar house was like the oil mansion with yes. the big white columns. and It was massive. Just, just numbers, right? But yes, so only a million dollars. But you know what I mean? You can, so I see clients all the time, they'll say they're going to downsize. And I challenge them to say, well, you buying like a condo or a smaller house, or you actually plan on Getting money out. Getting money out of it, or is it net net the same? So, so first you need to decide where do you want to live, and do you value land, simplicity? Do you like the high end loft like I just talked about that's overlooking the city, or do you want to live in the city? Do you want to live in the suburb or on the waterfront? And compare that with uh, what you need money wise. So, you know, we had a client in the office just recently who decided to sell their ten thousand square foot Brentwood home and buy a fifteen hundred square foot condo in Midtown here in the city. And they're loving life, and they're more active than ever walking around this crazy, busy, energetic city, and they're loving it. That I would have not thought those words would be uh, aligned with Nashville. Right. Well, I mean, going from 10,000 feet to 1,500, I know they were really, really nervous, and there was a lot of, uh, a lot of mixed emotions, and they did it, and they're, they're staying more active, and it's, it was a great move. And I love seeing them so happy, and this is why I'm so passionate about that, the retire while you work mindset and the show in general. These are stories and people in my life. And it's so fulfilling to help people live in this mindset. So meet with your planner. A plan can always provide the answer. So many people just make these decisions out of emotion or certainly without a plan. The last thing you want to do is to downsize your home thinking you're forced to sell or to do so for money reasons and then find out you hate it or didn't even really help you financially. You thought it would, but you didn't think it through. So set up a plan. You can always call us by all means. We're happy to help. And if you're just tuning into the show, you're listening to Retire While You Work, and we're answering your questions on this segment. And you can submit your question to us each week by going to retirewhileyouwork.com or call us at 615-435-3644. We'd love to answer what's on your mind. So great. Siobhan, do we have another question? Yes, this one actually happened yesterday. Uh, Jim, another wealth management advisor, Jim Laners, and I were in a client meeting, and we were talking about wills and estate plans. Uh, And the clients were asking, do they really need a will or an estate plan? And is it worth paying an attorney thousands of dollars? Or can they just, you know, get out a piece of notepaper and write down (laughs) what it is that they're wanting done? (laughs) So I thought I would pose that question to you here on the radio. Good question. Estate. We actually had um, we had Jeff Mobley, who's a very uh, well respected estate planner in this town. He was on a show a couple months ago, and so we this was a this is a great topic. We could do an entire show on this, and we probably should again soon. Now you can pay your attorney now to do an estate plan, or you can pay pay attorneys even more, and the courts a lot more likely when your estate settles upon death if you don't have a will. So, and this could cause a lot more confusion and stress on your beneficiaries because of the lack of clarity you left by not having a will. So yes, you do need a will. Yes, you do need an estate plan. I don't care if you have $10,000 or $10 million, everyone should consider it. Now, it's such a hard conversation because you're 
planning for your death. You are. It's not a it's not a very you're right. It's not an exciting and it's not necessarily a pleasant conversation, but if it's done in the context of having a holistic plan and getting that level of comfort and your family knows, right. hey, if you ever need if something ever happens to me, there's this lockbox, here's the password, this has all of our this you know, is what you're supposed to do. That, that's very. That's a good feeling just to get that knocked out. Now, the actual meeting and certainly stroking the check for a couple of grand isn't fun. Now, I will say there's a certain level of confidence, again, that comes by knowing that you have a plan for your affairs. And this is part of having that retire while you work mindset. It's just another check off the list that you can um, knock out and allow you to focus on other things. So a solid plan should look something like this. Now, have all of your accounts with your beneficiaries clearly labeled your advisor can help do this, and they should do that. And for your 401k at work, do the same thing and let your advisor review it for consistency. Remember that the way your retirement accounts, that's 401ks and IRAs, and your life insurance, the way that those things work is that the beneficiaries listed on those accounts or documents actually trump what the will says. Trump, no pun intended. <laughs> so remember, whatever with retirement accounts and life insurance, the beneficiaries, the way they're set up on those documents supersede what's on your will. So it's important to have all of this sync up. Now, if you have a trust, if you've set up a trust, you want to have a trustee to help make sure that your desires are met upon your death. Get a power of attorney for health care and for finances and have your power of attorney, have it be someone that you trust that's going to also honor your desires. And for your state, usually you're going to, as part of the plan, is name an executor to help probate your will. This needs to be someone who is organized and up to the task. And the better your will and the better your will is and your estate plan and the more clear it is, the easier this job can be. So very important. Now, if you didn't, didn't hear anything I just said or you zoned out, don't obsess over the details. You can always change it. So many people get paralysis by analysis. And just do something. Yes, just do something. Absolutely. According to, I think it was Deborah Fowles of the, it's called the balance. 70% of people do not have wills, wealthy or not. Heck, Prince. Steve McNair. Remember? Such a shame. Yeah, the Titans. Uh, that was that was very sad. Had no wills. And guess who gets rich? Your attorneys, not the kids or the loved ones. Yeah. A lot of the money is going to attorneys in the court. So like anything else, the key here is just to start. Come see us. I've sat in hundreds of these meetings with the top attorneys in town. Um, I just sounded like Trump there. <laughs> huge. Huge. You're going to love it. And everyone loves what I do and talks about what I do. Okay, sorry. Too, too, too soon. Sorry. I had to do that. But no, get a get a financial plan, get an estate plan, see an estate planning attorney. We'll have another one on the show very soon. Very important topic. So thanks for that. If you're just tuning into the show, you're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm your host, David Adams, and we're answering your questions throughout the week and from actual client meetings in our office over on 12th South. Still have time for some more questions. Siobhan, do we have another? Yes, this one came in through the website. Uh, this woman is a widow, and she lost her husband a few years back, and she has around $3 million or so. Okay. And through meeting with her financial advisor, they decided that she's probably going to go through about a million or so. She has two kids, and um, they'll have around $2 million or so left to them as well. And the kids are really young. I think she said five, seven, something like that. How does she go about leaving the $2 million to these kids in the best possible way? Well, that is a great question. Um, there's a lot of meat to this question. And I tell you what, so much meat that I'm going, we're going to answer this next week or if we have time after the next segment. It's time for a break. 
And right after the break, we have our special guest here with us, Brenton Giese, who's an entrepreneur here in Nashville, to talk about foregoing the typical corporate path and starting his own business. Very exciting topic. And if we have a chance, we will answer that question from our listener about uh, the $3 million inheritance. And if not, we'll get to that next week. And please submit your question to Retire While You Work. We'd love to answer it. We'll be back in just a few seconds after the break. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were taking some very interesting questions from you, the listener, for the week. And we actually had one come up right before the break about a widow who lost her husband 10 years ago or a few years ago, has around $3 million. Her financial planner said she's probably going to spend about a million of it, has two kids, and will have about $2 million left to leave to them through the estate. And they're so, as they're very young still, how is she going to go about leaving this nest egg to them in the best way? So this is a great question, and um, I could do an entire segment on this, but let me do my best to hit it from all angles. Now, from my experience, if you give the kids money when they're young, they will more than likely not appreciate it and have high chances, we've seen in the past, that they could blow through it. And we see this all the time in our office, but we're really trying to do a better job now of asking the kids to actually come in once they hit a certain age so that we can meet them and ideally start coaching them and so that they know that they have a resource um, or fi- financial parents, if you will. <laughs> yeah. and we do this a lot. And, and um, that way, if the kids are left on with a big chunk of money, they have someone they can call. Um, none of us are typically responsible, especially with $2 million at that age. So yeah. we need help. And why not set, th- set things up for them where they can draw on the money? So for example, let's say when they reach 35, maybe you have a trust um, and we had a state planner in here just recently talking about this. And he said the magic age these days has been around 35. Now, as a parent, you can adjust, but you can have some things in the trust that say maybe at 35 they get um, they can have the money, you know, take $100,000 a year at 35. Or if they need money before then, they can use it for 20% as a down payment on a house or to pay for grad school. Um, there's lots of examples of these cases. So, so you end up kind of building a framework around what they can use the money for. Right. So you're saying, I'm, I'm not going to keep you from the money, but we're going to have a trustee that's going to make sure that they don't, at 23 years old, they don't get this $2 million and squandered away, or even worse, that they are demotivated to go to work. Right. And they just think they're set for the rest of their lives, and we've all seen how that story ends. So the goal is really, you know, protect your kids from themselves. You spent an entire life protecting your kids as parents. So how do you continue to protect them even after they're gone? So I appreciate this question. And I think the best thing you can do is to teach them about money and let them meet your financial advisor. And or we come do, in and meet with us. Come and meet with us. We do this with our clients all the time. And I know Clark Howard and Dave Ramsey have books that can help kids as well. It doesn't have to come from me. There are tons of resources. So get with your estate attorney, draft wills and trust, get with your financial advisor, come see us, make sure your kids have a resource. So great question. And we'll do, we'll definitely answer some more questions next week. And now in this last segment each week, we love to bring a certain topic to you that we think can help with that retire while you work uh, mindset. And today we have a special guest, Britton Giese, who is a photographer extraordinaire. Hello, Britton. How's it going, David? That's going great. I'm glad you're here. And he, you're an entrepreneur in this booming Nashville town. So we're going to talk about that. And, um, yeah, a lot of things. So, Brenton, welcome. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. 
Well, like, like listening to you talk. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I know you just did uh, perhaps one of the coolest photo shoots, at least we've ever had. It was a lot of fun. For our it team was last so much week. fun. You even shot me jumping up in midair. That yeah. Was pretty... it, what was equally as funny as that was in the pictures, you can see everybody's reaction to you, like all your employees <laughs> looking at you jumping up in the air. Or looking at their feet to make sure I didn't land on their feet. I know we got or smack me in the head. Right. Or something yeah. like exactly. That. Well, it's, um, no, it was very, uh, you're very talented and we're excited to have you on here. And so, Appreciate it. Let me ask you this. I mean, tell me about your training and schooling and um, tell us about what you do and why you do it. Yeah. So, um, moved down to, uh, to Middle Tennessee from Cincinnati um, to go to school to... Um, do audio production stuff. You know, this is the town for it. And um, it was great. Had a full ride to MTSU. Um, loved the program that I was in. And um, through, uh, through college, I realized, you know, I was um, uh, doing a lot of audio stuff. I'd interned on Music Row pretty right. early on. Um, I was double majoring. Um, and I realized somewhere in my senior year that, or junior, senior year, that getting a job straight out of school is going to be really tough in this town, especially in the uh, in the recording industry, because there's so few jobs and you've got to start at the bottom. Right. Right. Either interning for multiple nobody. years for free or maybe making a minimum wage. Right. And, you know, photography was a hobby for me at that point. Um, you know, I'd grown up with my dad, who was an um, amateur photographer, super good, always taught me to admire, you know, good people like Ansel Adams and National Geographic oh, stuff. I love his work. I know, Beautiful. It's amazing. So I'd had that, you know, kind of classic photography, you know, desire and love. And um, people knew that I had a camera and they started asking me to take pictures and I was just loving it. Yeah, just and, organic. Right. And I was doing video stuff, um, you know, with my degree. Um, so people started asking me to do video too. I mean, uh, mainly photography. And so... Graduation came up. I had a part-time job, and I was like, you know, I don't, I don't really want to go and intern again. I've right. already done that. I've already been making, you know, minimum wage jobs. I had a pretty good part-time job at that moment, and I'd been getting paid as well for photography. So I was like, what the heck? Yeah. I don't have any like crazy expenses. You know, I live in live in Murfreesboro. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the cheapest cities cities in the in the in the state. So like why don't I just start my own business? And right. from then on, uh, basically I've been doing it full time. That is well, so impressive. Well yeah. and you know, so many people have dreams like this, but they they can't do it because they need or they feel like they need that salary job. And or like for me, I know uh, my mom and dad really wanted me to have that accounting job. I got my CPA and had an accounting degree and they wanted you know, me to have that job with benefits and a steady salary right out of grad school. But, you know, I always wanted to be a financial advisor, but there was no income really until you had clients. Yeah. So you're starting off to start off in this job with no clients means same thing, no income like you were talking about. So, you know, I saved for a year, couldn't take it anymore in the accounting world and took the plunge. And, you know, so hearing you talk about doing it right away versus what I did and, you know, I was, I was fearful and I finally took the plunge, but you did it right well, it's away. Essentially, it's essentially the same thing. It's just I got started earlier while I was in school. Right. And while I had, you know, I mean, I had a job that I had to use to supplement my photography business until I got to the point where I was making enough money from that to earn off of. Kind of like this, what you said, you had to save up. And luckily I was in college and, you know, I had scholarship that would like was paying for my expenses. So like that kind of helped at the same time. Bridge the gap. Right. Right. Are, are you glad that, are you glad that you're doing it and that you did it? Um, honestly, way? yeah, I, I am. I mean, I don't want to say that it's like 
the only option for me because um, I'm very much of the opinion that you can try to find contentment and happiness wherever you are, despite yes. what, what job you're in. Absolutely. And I guess, um, I mean, we can talk about that throughout the interview, but, you know, I really love what I do. And, um, you know, as, as the years have gone by, I mean, I've been doing this for three years now. It's, I'm, I rarely have a bad day anymore. I have tough days. Tough days are hard and, you know, always like have to learn how to deal with clients or deal with jobs oh, clients. or <laughs> clients or, uh, you know, just stressful shoots and logistics or, or money. But it's like I don't I don't really find myself having a bad day because so, you're doing what you have a talent to be doing. You're passionate for it. Thanks. Yeah. So it's exactly that's exactly true. So you don't ever at this point, I mean, consider going to, I guess, like an agency or taking. Um, well, I'm sure, there are days, but I mean, in. There are days, but I mean, I doubt and I question, you know, like everybody, like, am I doing the right thing? Is this going to, what would happen tomorrow if my clients just went with someone else? I mean, those fears, yeah. like that's what keeps me up at night is thinking about, um, man, what would happen if, what would happen if. It's no different, I think, in any, I mean, any, when you're on your own, I mean, in our business too, there's that fear when I got started. Heck, even now, like what if 2008 comes and Everybody panics and runs to some, takes their money into the bank or runs to another advisor. I mean, uh-huh. there's always that fear. And so that's when the intangible part of uh, entrepreneurship comes up. It's, you know, I, I'm not the best photographer in Nashville. There's way better people than me. But what I bring intangibly to my uh, business is relationships and is Absolutely. my personality and is – how I can deliver something that somebody needs to meet their needs to get them to where their business needs to go. And, you know, so true. Just, just with you guys, I mean, imagine if I walked in on Friday not having known any of you guys. I mean, that shoot would have been so awkward. Like, right. it would have been weird. I would have been awkward. You guys would have been awkward. It'd be like, who's this guy? <laughs> already you know. awkward enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, awkward enough. Worse. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we've all spent time together. And that's what I love with my clients is developing relationships and caring about people. I tell this, to, this is my number one piece of advice is, and the thing that I guide my business by is number one rules, care about people. You know, if, if I go and meet you, like if somebody refers me to you and we sit down and we form a, like good friendship or relationship and we have good time together, that's awesome. I love that. If you never gave me any business, I'd be fine with that because I have a great relationship with you. But the added bonus is that you are paying me to hang out with you guys and take pictures. <laughs> and that's oh, awesome. Right. No, it's and, and somebody once told me that I think it was people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. And I think that is so true. I mean, in, in, uh-huh. in our business and your business, you're right. It's all about the relationship because anybody can can get a, a I don't mean literally, but anybody can get a camera and come take a picture, and anybody can. Um, to some extent, come and invest your money, but somebody that's actually going to ask about your goals or you coming into our office, I know you kind of already knew our personalities and and you're like, what if y'all were all over there and David, you did a backflip, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see that. But 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 that engaged the whole team. And so it wasn't this, oh God, we got to get some headshots made for our website. It was, this was a fun day. Yeah. I think literally that was like, I've been meaning to tell you this, and this is a compliment to you and your employees. You like your employees are some of the most respectful and amazing people because everybody was working together to accomplish that task. And that's great because and that's what I love about relationships is that we can all work together. It's not just like, oh, we're struggling through this. But and and that's what I love about having, you know, fewer clients, but clients that are repeat 
business. They're, right. That's Absolutely. Co- hire me repeatedly. So we develop a relationship. We work together. Each successive shoot is getting better and better and better and creating better and better things. And that's what I love Absolutely. about entrepreneurship. Britton, let me ask you this. What advice would you give others that are, let's say, in college now and they want to be photographers or songwriters here in Nashville and they're nervous about income and taking that plunge? What would you? What advice Man, would you give them? This is, this is a hard question because Good. we want <laughs> we want uh, we want black and white. You know, we want, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> that was clever. <laughs> there, um, people want, like, a strict or defined answer. Like, give me the roadmap to being a successful entrepreneur or something. And it's like, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't give you that, you know? Of course, I want you to achieve your dreams and achieve your goals. But I want you to do it in a way that's good for you and it's good for the people around you, your family. Right. But if you're you know, 30, 35, 40, and you're trying to get something off the ground still that you've been trying to do for years, you have to have people around you that are, you know, trying to tell you, hey, this isn't something that, you know, you should, you should be doing. You have to kind of see the writing on the wall, see the pathway. Yeah. If, if what you're doing isn't fruitful and isn't successful, you kind of have to like back off and have the foresight to, to do that. No, absolutely. And Brent, I have a lot, a lot more questions. We're going to have you back uh, on a show here soon. Thanks for sharing all that with you. Quickly, how can, what's your phone number? How can people reach you? People can go to my website. It's bgeesey.com, B-G-I-E-S-E-Y.com. And um, yeah, I would Great. love to talk to you. Hang out. Well, thank you for listening to our show this week. You've been listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Go to our website, retirewhileyouwork.com, and submit your question or give us a call at 615 435 3644 or come see us at our office in the historic 12 South neighborhood. We'd love to see you. I'm David Adams. Remember that life is short and there are many more important things to worry about than money. And I certainly hope this show helps. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week.